Please join me in the prayer of illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. A lesson from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My friends, a very important season is upon us, March Madness. Yeah! I'm so glad you love basketball as much as my family does. And unfortunately, it's really hard for me to think about March Madness without the echoes of March Madness 2019 stirring or maybe haunting is a better word for it, my soul. I'll set the scene for you. The Auburn Tigers are in the NCAA tournament for their second year in a row after some pretty big lags in appearance. The path to the championship game is full of blue bloods. Kansas, UNC, Kentucky, yeah, boo. It's a real David versus Goliath situation and Auburn beats all of them. Some of them by a lot, UNC, yeah, yeah. There were some great memes after that game. So we get to the final four game. It's Auburn versus Virginia. And Auburn plays the game of their life. They're ahead by 62 to 60, with a few seconds left on the clock. Virginia has the ball, dribbles down the floor, pulls up for a three-point shot, misses it. Our house goes bananas. Yes, we are going for the first time ever as a school to this championship game. Except, do y'all know this story? Some of you know it too well. A foul is called on Auburn on the three-point shooter. So if you know your basketball, you know that Virginia now has the chance for three shots. And if you know math, you know that doesn't bode well for Auburn. They make every shot, and Virginia wins the game, or Auburn loses, 63 to 62. And to make matters worse, 
while they're doing all this reviewing, because you know there's some of that involved, it shows that Virginia has actually double dribbled up the court and they missed it. Taking a moment that was already pretty horrible. Yes. Oh, I knew my people would feel this. It's devastating. And if you ask Auburn fans about this game to this day, they will tell you that Virginia what? Double dribbled. Virginia double, they did cheat too. Good job, Stacey. That final four run is the lived experience and expression of what it feels like to be riding the highest of highs and have it drop to the lowest of lows in an instant. It still hurts a little bit (laughs) to talk about it. What do we do when something is so good and delightful and it all the sudden turns and it's painful and exhausting? Kind of like snow and ice on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh day. What once was us living our best life, doing it for the gram, quickly turns into cabin fever, fatigue, and impatience. And as we approach another pretty big season of Lent, I find myself thinking about these transitions in life that we have on what feels a bit like a roller coaster sometimes, right? Where one minute we're up, and before we know it, we're descending down at a rapid pace. And I know we've had a little bit of fun talking about a sporting event, but the truth is, I think everybody knows this feeling all too well. And in some ways, we're anticipating something really similar tonight. What does it mean for us to go from a night like tonight with this kind of music and we're dancing and spinning and kicklining down the aisle, right? It's joyful, it's abundant. And then we ask you to come back tomorrow and pivot to Ash Wednesday. I've never really heard the moniker fun used for Ash Wednesday. Although I may actually have used it because I really love Ash Wednesday. I find it to be fun. How do we transition? How do we celebrate these two consecutive days and live into them faithfully? Well, let's take a look at Jesus's baptism story because it offers us a little bit of a lens into the highs and lows, so to speak. Often and rightfully so, when we look at Jesus's baptism story, we pay close attention to the beauty of this experience for Jesus and for all of those that are there with him. He's called into the baptismal waters by John. When he comes up out of them, we're told the heavens open, a dove descends, and Jesus is affirmed as the Son of God with whom God is pleased. This is like peak moment for Jesus, kind of a core memory, you might say. With that said, we rarely take a look at what happens right after that. The lectionary actually tends to end with the affirmation of Jesus's belovedness, and we don't get to witness the reality of the aftermath. Mark, in his matter-of-fact and often hurried way, tells us the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. At its most basic level, Jesus's baptism story and what follows tells us that life's ebbs and flows are all part of the experience. I feel like I need to clarify, though, really quick. 
I'm not upholding some sort of idea that every time something good happens, be ready for the shoe to drop. God is not cruel. God is not in the business of taking you to your highest place just to let you fall. Rather, I'm inviting you to live into the rhythms of life, to acknowledge that delight and the wilderness can coexist. As we look toward Lent, I'm inclined to believe that our joy from today will serve as an anchor for our journey through this season. And it asks us to consider what it means to be human and to rely on God. See, joy and delight are not juxtaposed against Lent. Rather, I believe they're a part of it. In Jesus' baptism, God delights in him. He is well pleased. And then Jesus is ushered into the wilderness but not without knowing his belovedness. That experience of baptism will be what helps him in the wilderness. Brene Brown's research on vulnerability tells us that those who are the most vulnerable are those who embrace wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness comes from the belief that we're worthy of love and that we have the courage to risk vulnerability. Her research shows that you, can, you can't selectively numb emotion. You don't get to pick and choose which things you're going to feel. You can't say, I'm going to put fear and shame and discomfort over here because I don't really like that. Because when you numb those things, you also numb your capacity for joy and gratitude and happiness. Basically, we have to be open to what we deem as negative emotions so that we can experience the positive. Dan Levy has a new movie out called Good Grief. Makes me think of Charlie Brown. Good grief. In the movie, one of the characters looks at another one and says, to avoid sadness is also to avoid love. It's a call to embrace that life is both and And in my experience, that's when God is the most present. And I love Lent, and Ash Wednesday is fun, because I think it gives us permission to embrace the both and of life, enough to recognize our humanity and that God delights in us, for we were also created very good. And when we know our belovedness, when we're able to engage in the both and, It gives us the ability to walk through the wilderness, knowing that God is with us through all of it. In a mystical way, when we are most human, we are most in touch with the divine. These two are not exclusive of one another, but instead they form this beautiful relationship of mutuality where you can't experience the fullness of the divine without experiencing the fullness of humanity. One of the things that I love most about the author, Kate Bowler, is her willingness to live this way. She is in so many ways the archetype of embracing the paradoxes of life. She was in Nashville this past weekend. Some of you may have seen her. A group of us went to see her. She was here promoting her book, A Beautiful, Terrible Day. Tells you a little bit about the book. (laughs) It is a collection of blessings and stories that gets at the heart of the complexity of life and being human. 
And I thought I'd share with y'all one of the blessings out of that book. This seems to kind of fit. It's entitled, For Living Without Control. God, I come to you as I am. It's all I have, really. And the next one I'm conscious of will be the same. I can feel the way I move moment to moment without the comfort of solutions. It seems wild to me now how I imagined any once and for all cure for this or a master plan to ensure things will work out. But truth be told, that's always been my secret hope. So Lord, let's try again. I am begging for a new plan. I want a plan that's an unplan. I must keep moving and planning, trying and changing knitting my days together even as they unravel. So can we do this together? Remind me to pray. Come, Lord. Quiet the worry. I step and you steady me. I give and you keep my hands open. I act and you fortify me with courage to try and try and try again. This life is uncertain, Lord, but your love is not. You tell the story of my life, regardless of how little I know about how it ends, except to say, you were there since the beginning, and you appear on every page. Amen.